Hey there, Conquerors. Welcome to episode 83 of Conquering Columbus. Today on the show, we have Amy Franco, and Amy is a sales leader here in the Columbus area. She's the founder and president over at Impact Instruction Group, and she's got a lot of great experience in outside sales as well as inside sales. I think you guys are definitely going to enjoy this episode, and you'll learn a lot, especially if you are a sales leader or an entrepreneur looking to improve your sales team. Before we get to that interview, though, I want to ask you all for a quick favor. If you haven't already, pick up your phone and hit that subscribe button on whatever podcast app you're listening on. It really helps support our show and it'll make sure you never miss a single episode of Conquering Columbus. We also want to take a moment to thank some of our supporters. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital. Through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them is a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, and fast casual restaurants. You can learn more or check out a free trial at GoFMX.com. Mike here again. Do you want to be a sponsor of Conquering Columbus? We are looking for some new supporters to help keep the show going in 2018. To inquire about how you can help support the podcast, please send an email to Mike at ConqueringColumbus.com. All right, Conquerors. Let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, yeah, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to another episode of Conquering Columbus. Uh, today on the show, we have Amy Franco, and Amy is the founder and president at Impact Instruction Group. It's a consulting firm focused on helping teams improve their sales and leadership. And before founding Impact Instruction Group, Amy worked at a variety of field sales roles at places like IBM and Lenovo. And she's a weld woman to know, a part of the Columbus Smart 50, and she is also a member of the board for the Girl Scouts of Ohio's Heartland, and we are very excited to have her here on the show today. Welcome, Amy. How Thank you, you so much. I'm excited to be here, too. I'm great. Good, good. It's a little cold out today, huh? Just a little bit. How's your day going so far? My day is fantastic. I uh, spent the day today at um, Columbus Metropolitan Club, went to their uh, blue chip forecast for the year, so I got an opportunity to learn a little bit about what's going on in Columbus and what we're looking at in terms of, in terms of the city and our growth over the next year. 
That's great. Yeah. Um, normally, we'd like to start off as maybe take it back to the beginning, give us a little bit of background on maybe your childhood and upbringing and uh, path where you are today. Sounds good. Awesome. Um, maybe let's start off where you grow up and maybe uh, what your family did and what your parents did growing up. Yeah. So I'm originally from Cleveland, and my uh, I'm a lifelong Ohioan, originally from Cleveland. My family still lives in the Cleveland area. And uh, what my family life was like growing up, um, probably something a little unique about me is that I'm the oldest of uh, five daughters. I have four younger sisters. And uh we are kind of spread all over the country. I have a sister who lives here in Columbus. I have two that live in Chicago and one on the West Coast in Portland. So so something about me and usually the response that I get to that is people are like, wow, you're poor dad. But I still get that response. <laughs> so the holidays just over, did you all get together and centralize anywhere? Or was it kind of still everybody was dispersed? Yeah, you know, it kind of... Uh, kind of changes from year to year. So this year, uh, a few of us uh, got together over the Christmas holiday and went up to Cleveland. One thing that my family started doing over the last couple of years is getting together earlier uh, before Thanksgiving to give everybody an opportunity to, to come together before the Thanksgiving holiday, before holiday craziness, and then just gives us an opportunity to do also what we need to do uh, once Thanksgiving and Christmas hit. So it's nice, gives us a chance to get together. And was there always an emphasis on business growing up? for your family? You know, not really an emphasis on business. As I was is thinking about that question, I would say that the emphasis growing up was around um, academics and education, for sure. That was a big focus in my household growing up. Um, pursuing interests and hobbies, were that was something that was a big part of the family. And I would also say, uh, like, leadership and service. Those are some big themes that, that I think of uh, growing up as a kid, and probably the last thing I would would add there is sports. I played a lot of sports as a kid. What sports did you play? So I played uh, basketball. I played softball. Also uh, ran track and cross country as a kid growing up. Awesome. What was your favorite sport and why? Oh, you know what? I loved uh, basketball growing up. I love team sports. I love it. I, I love coming together as a team. I love the competition. Um, I also was really fortunate to have some awesome coaches uh, growing up as a kid. And those are things, those are people that I remember to this day that still influence me, even though that was many, many years ago, uh, just growing up in grade school and high school. Yeah, and so let's talk a little bit about, um, you know, from high school to college, what made you decide to go to Dayton? And what did you study while you were there? So what made me go to Dayton was a scholarship, <laughs> if, if I'm being really honest about that. Um, you know, but, but beyond that, I, when I was looking at, at college and, and growing up in a big family, I was really looking for some freedom. And you know, get, fi finding a new place to, to figure out what my identity was, and so I, I applied to UD and a couple of other schools. Uh, in high school, I had a lot of friends who had older brothers and sisters that went to UD. Absolutely loved it, and uh, and I got a scholarship, so that kind of cemented the decision to go there. But I will never forget. Um, you know, I didn't do a lot of college searches. I just kind of showed up on campus, and. It was, you know how you're kind of just meant for some places that you end up in your life? I remember showing up on campus and after the first day, I was like, I found my place that I want to be for the next four years. And so I think just, just that combination of, of luck and opportunity and scholarship brought me to that place. And if I was given the opportunity, I would make the exact same choice over again. I loved it. 
What did you study while you were there? Um, I studied uh, English and communication. So the, those were my, my two majors at UD. Were you just naturally drawn to that, or did you have kind of a game plan post-college at that point? Oh, I wish I could say that I had a game plan. <laughs> those were things, those were topics that I was just naturally drawn to and gravitated toward, and that that's how I landed on my college major. So, and because I had a passion for those things and gravitated toward them, I, I think I did well. And then I think there were also things that translate well into finding a job beyond college, but also into things that I'm doing in my life now. So I think there, there was a little bit of luck in landing on the topics that I studied in college. Definitely. And so what was your first job out of college? So my very first job out of college was an inside sales job. I knew nothing about Columbus other than driving through on my way between Cleveland and Dayton. And I was, I was looking for a new place to land and a new place to kind of kind of set, set some roots down. But at, at 22, it wasn't like I really knew where that was going to be. But I landed my very first job, inside sales job. I applied for that job on the internet. Now, this is like 97. The internet is, you know, kind of new. <laughs> it's this newfangled thing. Monster.com got that job. And I remember showing up um, just on the first day inside sales job at the uh, corporate division of Micro Center. And then what was that like experience like first of all to college? You know, did you have any mentors that you really were drawn to off the bat or? Yeah, you know, that's a good question. So one of the things that I love about the first place that I landed, that first role, is that I think it really set me up for the next roles that I had and just kind of setting me on my career trajectory. There are people that I met in that job, even though I was there less than a year, there are people that I met in that job that I am still friends with to this day. And not just friends, but may maybe to your point, maybe some of them were, were mentors and kind of helped help me network, help guide me on the path. But I just, you can't underestimate that every, every job, every opportunity is a chance to meet people and to build your network and to learn and to grow. I feel like that's almost like kind of a, a hard role to jump into out of college because a lot of people, if you didn't major in like accounting or engineering, mm -hmm. people are more drawn towards sales because you can come from just about any background, but not everybody can make it, especially in an inside sales role. Yeah. So did you know off the bat, you know, this is, this is what I'm going to be good at and, I, and this is what I feel is kind of my strong suit? Yeah, you know, what's interesting is um, I would say looking back now, I would say yes. I don't think I could have said yes at the time. I took a little bit of a detour into technology. And so if I were to kind of bucket the first 10 years of my career, I spent it in technology. So moving back and forth between sales roles and more deeper technology-related roles, I spent a, spent a time, maybe about three or four years in IT. So actually uh, building IT systems, building infrastructures, and then made my way back into a, an outside field sales role. So I think the lesson for me there was to, um, you know, sometimes your, your career opportunities take you on a little bit of a detour, but then figuring out where you want to land and, and where you want to want to spend your time and pursue your passions. So looking back on that, I would say yes, I naturally gravitated towards sales, but I think it took me a couple of detours to figure out that that was the right place for me. And I'm kind of curious about how, how does a English communications major go from sales to like doing development IT work? 
Oh, I don't even know. <laughs> so, so the way that that all actually unfolded is um, I'm a really curious person, and I'm one of those lifelong learners. Um, so having my first job being in inside sales in IT, my customer um, at the time worked for, um, for Columbia Gas. They were, they were my customer that I took care of. And that was my first entry into IT. I actually moved from an inside sales role and went to work at Columbia Gas. And that's where I had the opportunity to learn more about programming, coding, um, infrastructures, just by virtue of where I landed, which was in the IT department of the company. So it was a little bit of, the, it seemed like a cool idea, a cool opportunity to pursue, and I just kind of jumped on it and spent about three years learning that. And then realized that as much as I enjoyed learning about those things and, and being able to get those experiences, that I wanted to uh, get 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 away from being in a, in a lab environment every day and, and get back out being with customers and being in a sales role. So it almost out loud sounds like a small pivot, but I think it's something that a lot of people want to do if they're in the sales space. They want to gain other experiences, but they have a really hard time transitioning and finding other roles that people will actually bring them on for. So do you remember it all in that process, You know what it was that helped you land a role that was completely... Um, or maybe it wasn't 100% outside of what you were currently doing, but you know what I'm saying there? Yeah, yeah. So um, this probably goes back to your earlier comment about people that were mentors or role models for me. So my main contact there, my main customer, she was really kind of a mentor for me. And I think she saw something in me that I didn't necessarily see in myself at the time. And I think what really kind of cemented it was just the fact that I paid such careful attention to uh, customer service and, you know, you call it client experience now, but just making sure I really took care of my customer in that inside sales role. And so she, I think she saw that in me and saw that I could do well in another environment. And she was the one that actually helped me get into that different role and to make a pivot. And so when you did finally jump back into outside sales, yeah. did that experience is, you know, IT in the IT world help at all? Oh, 100%, because I went from that role to um, landing a job at IBM. And I'm not sure that I would have been as successful in landing that job or as successful in the role without having some IT technology background. So I would say 100% that that pivot helped me to be successful in landing and coming back to IBM. Yeah, can we talk a little more about your experience in outside sales? So yeah. you mentioned you started as an inside sales rep. So, and I, I personally have done both as well. I started as an outside though and went the other direction. Oh, interesting. Um, so what was your experience like with outside sales? What did you like about it? What did you dislike about it compared to say inside sales? Mm. You know, what I, what, I loved about, what I loved about inside sales and especially at the early part of my career is that it, at least in the environment I was in, I was paired up with a couple of outside uh, sales sales folks, so it really helped me to learn 
the role and kind of learn sales environments and learn the lay of the land without the pressure of necessarily being on a quota out of the gate. And it helped me learn the industry because I was paired with people that were really experienced and veterans in their industry. So I think that helped set me up for when I made the pivot into IT and then made the pivot back to sales. The combination of those two experiences helped me to be successful in an outside selling role. Then how long did you stay at IBM? I was at IBM and um, IBM and Lenovo, which was the spinoff of the PC division for a, com a combined seven years. Um, so, so it was a really great opportunity to be a part of a company like IBM. And then also to go to a company like Lenovo that in many ways has had a startup mentality to it because it wasn't something that was here in the U.S. at the time. It was a, a Chinese-based company that was getting a footprint in the U.S. and it was part of an acquisition. Um, so seven years, and then, then to come back to the question that you had asked me, I didn't, didn't answer the second part of your question, which was what I really like about outside sales. I, I, love, the, I love the freedom of outside sales, and I love the ability to, to build a territory almost from scratch and to really get out and be with, with customers. Um, but with that said, I also had the support of a really awesome inside sales team, which makes all the difference, too. So it's, it's a cool partnership between outside sales and inside sales. Yeah, and so with, your, so with the structure there, I mean, was the inside sales team calling and setting appointments for the outside sales team? Like, what was the, how did that partnership work? Yeah, so, so in some, some cases, yes. But the way that we were also set up was that um, at IBM, we had a, a client representative. And... To give it a sports analogy, you can kind of think of that as the quarterback of the team. And I had a specialist role, so I was a product specialist. So I would have inside sales folks helping me to, to set appointments and, and also helping with some more of the administrative sides of selling, like selling operations. But I also had um, other folks in the organization that were in this client representative role also prospecting on my behalf as well. So it was kind of a combination. And then carrying that over into Impact Instruction Group, yeah. can we talk a little bit about how that evolved and um, how the idea was created? Absolutely. So, you know, growing up, I think I always thought that I would either start something or lead something. I, as I kind of think back, I think that was always kind of in my DNA, just that leadership or, or starting something that, that was entrepreneurial. So I think that seed was always kind of planted in my mind, even though I went, you know, went through the first 10 years of my career in more corporate roles. So I had gotten to, I was 31 when I started Impact Instruction Group, and the, the idea really came about because I, I had hit a certain, I think I had hit a certain level of success in my sales role, and I had kind of gotten to a point where I'm like, okay, I'm 10 years into my career. I'm really interested in what else is out there for me. And at the time, a friend of mine owned a small uh, training and development company, and he happened to have a big contract and was in need of people to design and develop training. So you talk about another pivot. I had never designed or developed training, but I'm somebody who loves learning, loves professional development. I, I really get myself immersed in that. So that was the opportunity 
to actually leave my you know relatively safe sales role, right, the sa the safety of a paycheck and a commission check, to go out on my own and to start my own company with a with this friend of mine who also owned a training and development company. That was my my first foray into entrepreneurship, and then that's where it it started to grow from there. And then the ideas that you employed within the company, did you develop those on your, on your own? Were they evolved from, you know, somebody else that you were learning from or, you know, the, the training mechanisms? And yeah, you know, I would say a little bit of both. So when, when, when you're first starting, when you're first starting a company, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so it's really just, it's just kind of one foot in front of the other. I was fortunate to to have one client that I was was working with, and that gave me an opportunity to learn everything I could about the industry, about the training industry, about what makes great training, about what makes not so great training, and just everything. I was kind of a sponge, just absorbing everything I could, whether it was from um, mentors or. Um, professional organizations or just my own online learning, that's really how I got my start and just putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, and so what does your day-to-day -day look like now? And maybe compare that to when you first started the company. Yeah, yeah. So my day-to-day, -day, what I love about my day-to-day -day is that it always looks different. You know, from you know, one day, one I might be doing a, a keynote or a speaking event one day. I might be at a client engagement, um, uh, facilitating uh, sales training. Every day looks different, and that's that's what I love about it. But because every day looks different, there's also a huge amount of discipline that goes into that. It can be it can be pretty unpredictable. Um, I would say how it's different today from when I started. I, I would say it's probably in my mindset. I had to learn how to um, go from being tactical and kind of responding to what was right in front of me to becoming a more to becoming a more strategic, bigger picture thinker that treated it like a company and would grow it like a company. I would say that that's probably the biggest difference in just how I see myself in the, in the day to day. Yeah, it's probably an interesting change. I mean, as a salesperson, you're constantly thinking about your own pipeline, your own personal situation within the company, and then to change, a transition, you have to think about a whole structure. Uh, it must have been an interesting pivot, to say the least. Right, right. And, and with all of that said, there's still, of course, the sales element to it. Even though, even though I'm tasked with thinking big picture, it's also, okay, where are the next clients coming from? What does my sales pipeline look like? Am I building the relationships that I need to build? Because with, without that sales engine, the company doesn't go. Right. Can you talk about some of those clients that you guys landed along the way and how it evolved and maybe even who you work with up to this day? Yeah, sure. So, so I'll, I'll start by sharing kind of the 10,000-foot the view, 10, view of what we look like today versus when I started. So, so when I started the company, we were really focused on custom training design and development. It didn't necessarily matter if it was sales-related, leadership-related. If your organization had a, a need for training design and development, we would step in and help you do that. So, And we still do some of that to this day. Um, where we've evolved over the last maybe say three to four years is my own personal passion and focus around sales and leadership development and wanting to 
find that focus or find that niche. So over the past three to four years, that's where some of that transition has come into play where I'm working with organizations now more specifically in those areas. Um, and ask me the question again. <laughs> I, think, I think I was uh, asking at the beginning like what kind of clients you were working with and then yep. who you guys are working with today. Hmm. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's the question. So um, I will say my, my very first client that I landed directly was, um, was Huntington. And I'm, I'm so grateful to them for that opportunity because I, I can even, even picture the couple of people that, that got me into, into the firm and into Huntington and, and really helped my business take off. That was probably a real pivot point for me because it was the first, the first long-term client that was significant to the growth of the business and was also one of those, uh, one of those cornerstone clients that you can then use to build, build off of and, and to launch from there. And, uh, and so I, I think of them just so fondly to this day because they, they really gave me, gave me that first shot. Um, and you know, from there, I would say that the business has, we've served a lot of different industries from, from banking to, uh, to professional services, to, to insurance. Um, so, so a, a lot of, a lot of big names here locally in Columbus, but also, um, also across the country. And what do you guys feel today are your core competencies and where you're delivering the most value to your clients? So I would say the where we're delivering the most value to our clients today is um, is in the in the sales space. So helping mid market level, mid market size organizations on up who really want to impact their sales strategy and also the skills of their sales leaders and their sales reps because. Like I said earlier, I truly believe that the, the sales function is, it is the revenue and profit engine of the company. So the, when you have the right people in those, in those roles and they have the right skills, they're representing your brand, they're representing you to all of your prospects and all of your clients. So I'd say that's where we make the biggest impact. And, and, to, and maybe a, a side note to that is the leadership component. I think in any role, and especially sales, self-leadership is so critical, and also if you are a sales leader, how you guide your teams. So I think that that would be the, the secondary piece in terms of the impact, is helping people step into leadership and helping sales leaders lead better. With companies like Sandler out there and other sales training programs, how do you guys differentiate yourself, and um, where do you find yourself pitching to these organizations where you can add the value that would separate you from that competition? Yeah, so I would say in terms of the people that we're spending the most time with, um, the, the people that I'm spending time with could be, they could be HR leaders, they could be sales leaders. Um, we, do, we do a fair amount of work in professional services, so they might also be, be national practice leaders, people that are making those types of uh, decisions, whether it's around sales training or they're making decisions around business development and sales for the, their organizations. So that's probably who we spend our most time with, who I spend the most time with. And in terms of how I would differentiate us, I like to think of us as a, a boutique firm that's extremely flexible and really works to customize solutions for our clients. I think it's really great that there's competition out there. That means there's a need for what it is that we do. 
And in our differentiation is in the fact that we work to customize those solutions for the clients that we work with, really get to understand their industry and their challenges. So they don't, hopefully they don't just see us as a vendor providing a service. They look at me and they look at my team as somebody who's really invaluable and indispensable to their business success. And speaking of the team, how has the team grown since you first started? Yeah, you know, so so the team has the team has grown in terms of uh, is we've brought on more clients. It's looking at the organization to say who who are the different roles that I need and, and who needs to fill those roles. So we have been a mix of of W two employees, ten ninety nines, and and I like that mix because it gives me the opportunity to to select the talent and the people that I really want to be spending my time with as a business owner and we share the same values and in client service so the team has grown in terms of needing to add things like project management sales operational operationally things like that and in, and also in training design and development expertise. The more that we grow, the more that those needs change for our clients, and, and I need those skill sets too. Let's jump a little bit, talk about the future of Impact Instruction Group. What are you guys thinking for the next five to 10 years? What are your goals? Yeah, absolutely. So um, I think that it is a, it's a continual evolution. So this, this is a great time of year, uh, it being, being the start of a new year. I spend time every year kind of reflecting on, you know, what were the successes and, and where do where do I want to see myself grow personally, my team grow and in the company grow. Um, where I see us really being in the next three to five years is being a a premier provider of sales and leadership development training. So that that's kind of kind of the vision that I see for the organization. And that could be uh, growing a client base here in Columbus. It could be growing it, uh, growing it here in the US, or even maybe finding some international opportunities, uh, some opportunities to travel. Um, I would also see the growth in terms of um, terms of speaking engagements. I'm a keynote speaker. So Le leveraging that and growing that keynote platform. And then lastly, um, I have a book coming out in the uh, the second quarter of this year called The Modern Seller. And so uh, when we talk about living uncomfortably, we could talk a little bit about that. But that book is coming out uh, in just a couple months here. And so that's going to be part of our strategy as well, that thought leadership strategy to help grow the company. Now, on personal side of things, what are the, some of the things that you do, especially rolling into a new year, um, and again, I think this is another off off the script question. So yeah. if we ha if we have to edit this one, we can. But <laughs> no worries. I'm curious, what what kind of self improvement tactics do you employ on yourself? Is it um, things that people wouldn't know that maybe you do on a daily basis? Are you like a big avid reader or um, yeah. fitness things like that? Yeah. So um, so there's probably a couple of things that that I've learned to do over the years. Um, one one is absolutely fitness. I'm I'm an avid fitness person. Having having grown up in in sports, I'm I just feel very fortunate that that's something that I it's part part of my DNA and part of something that I do. My fitness routine makes a huge difference to me as an entrepreneur as a person. So that's absolutely something that I do. Um, usually about this time of the year, like that December time frame, I, I there's a couple things I do kind of reflect back and I try to list out a hundred things that I'm grateful for in the year that we're in. So a hundred things that I'm grateful for in 2017. It just gives, uh, gives me an opportunity to really 
think back and reflect on the year. And then I'll, I'll look forward into, into 2018 and think about what, what are some of the things that I want to, to accomplish, not just professionally, but also personally. Where do I maybe want to stretch myself and grow? So I, I reflect on that and, and just put, put, some, put some goals and some ideas out there to, to reach toward for the year. Um, I am... I'm, I think I'm really curious by nature. So I'm a huge reader. You come into my office at any given time. I have stacks of books everywhere, reading, podcasts. So I think that that continual learning piece is, is a part of my own personal development uh, every day. But hiring coaches and finding mentors has been a huge thing for me. Um, coaches, whether uh, I, I have a couple coaches right now. I have a coach that uh, helps me with my speaking engagement practice. I have a coach that helps me look at the business from an entrepreneurial perspective. And I also have, a, have an executive coach that just helps me uh, sort things out and, and keep my head on straight. So, so those, those are some of the things that I've learned to do over the years that has really helped me keep my focus and uh, just, just help me grow. Yeah, it's pretty interesting, you know, as far as, you know, coming from a sports background ourselves, it's, you growing up and, you know, playing sports, you always have that coach there to go to to help you improve your game, help you improve what you're doing, and then, um, you know, I guess when you get to the working world, it's your boss, but there are a lot of other things outside of just your job that you could probably use a coach on that maybe we don't always go to for. I know, right? Um, it, it's like we we have coaches and mentors and teachers coming all through through high school and college. And then, like you said, when we get to the working world, if we are fortunate enough to have a great boss that believes in coaching and mentoring, um, then it, it kind of feels like the luck of the draw sometimes. And that's where I always... I had to learn this myself and other mentors encouraged this in me and I try to encourage it in others is don't wait for somebody to be your coach. Go seek somebody out. Seek out a mentor. Seek out a coach. Um, the most elite athletes have coaches. So we as individuals and business owners or wherever we happen to be in our careers, that's something I encourage people to think about for themselves. Get one for yourself. Yeah, my boss generally just makes fun of me all day. And he also happens to be sitting in this room right across from me. So, so what you're saying is you're very fortunate to right, have, I have, a, have great a great boss. boss. He's the best boss. And I think he's probably going to give me a raise this year. I, I think you deserve one. I feel like it's all very inaccurate. Like, <laughs> the coaching aspect's interesting, though, because, like, even um, personally, I do a lot of, like, self-reflection on everything that, you know, as the day goes by or the year goes by or the month. But I still find myself needing coaches in all aspects of my life because there's yeah. things that I don't catch on to that I do that other people tend to see, you know. And I think that some people don't look at coaching that way. They think that if they're strong enough, they're tough enough, they can fix it on their own. But I think there's just some things in life that you just don't see because it's your own perspective and it's your own personality. So Yeah, our, our coaches and our mentors can help us see those blind spots and, and help us with, uh, with our self-awareness. And then, you know, carrying that, you kind of touched on a little bit earlier with your book. Um, one of the questions that we always ask before we kind of wrap things up is live uncomfortably and what it means to you and how it's um, reflected back on your life. So, you know, what does it, what does the phrase kind of bring to mind? Yeah, so I, I love this question. And so I took some time this afternoon to, to jot down some thoughts about, you know, what do I think about when it comes to living uncomfortably? And I think that living uncomfortably is, it's the only way that 
I believe that we can become leaders of impact and influence. No matter what our roles are, no matter what our title is, we have the, the capability of being a leader. And I think living uncomfortably is the only way that we can be that person. Um, I think it means intentionally looking for ways, whether they're big ways or small ways, to challenge ourselves in, in its self-awareness to get ourselves out of the box. And it could be as easy as asking, asking ourselves, okay, what am I doing today to, to live uncomfortably? What's one small thing that I can do today that's going to push me, to push me? Because the more that we push ourselves, the more we realize it's like, hey, these, the boundaries that we sometimes set for ourselves, they're really not there. We create them. Amy, any last advice for our listeners? A lot of them are out there, entrepreneurs, young professionals, age 19, 35. You got anything for them to help them build themselves as professionals or uh, their careers or even just as people? Absolutely. So, so I will, I'll, I'll say a couple things here. I think the first thing, and this is one of the things I absolutely love about Columbus, is it's very opening, open, it's very welcoming, it's very entrepreneurial. So that means we have a huge opportunity to build our networks. So that, that's, my, that's my first piece of advice. Get out and meet people, get out and build your network. Um, I would also say um, seek out board service opportunities. It doesn't matter if you are 19 or 35 or 55, it doesn't matter. Find something that you're passionate about and, and seek out those opportunities to, to be of service. Um, there's so many great organizations right here in Columbus. And, and I would say the last thing is, is be curious. Be curious, be a learner. When you look at things from a place of curiosity and wanting to learn, I think it helps us to live uncomfortably. Definitely. And uh, I think that's a great place to wrap up, Amy. We really appreciate having you on the show today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you, guys. It was a pleasure. I appreciate it. Yeah, and Conquerors, thanks for listening. That was Amy Franco, founder and president at Impact Instruction Group. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode. And we will talk to you next week. If you guys enjoyed that episode, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, as well as iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitchers, whatever your favorite podcast app is. And go ahead and click that subscribe button. It'll make sure you never miss another episode of Conquering Columbus. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to say thanks to all of our incredible sponsors one more time. Conquering Columbus is brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit that helps connect entrepreneurs to investors, mentors, talent, and capital through business pitch events, workshops, and classes offered throughout the state. And for more information, head on over to sundownfirst.org. And our last sponsor is Facilities Management Express, or FMX for short. FMX is actually founded and headquartered here in Columbus, Ohio. They're a startup software company. What's really cool about them, there's a lot of competitors in this space, but they made a name for themselves by designing an easy-to-use and tailored-fit facilities maintenance and management software. They serve industries ranging from churches and schools to property management, manufacturing, fast casual restaurants you can learn more check out a free trial at gofmx.com you could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and i might get you know my head kicked in in the beginning but i'll find a way to survive i'll find a way to get the job done yeah there's a little doubt but you know what once again i think of that guy in my ear i think about stepping up to the stage i think about the challenge like I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. 
you know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.